Welcome to the Peak Community Church Podcast, where weekly messages are available for your hearing. <laughs> we've, been, we've been working on a sermon series called The Good Work. It's a sermon, um, the Good Work, and it's been coming out of the book of Nehemiah. What you may not know of the book of Nehemiah, it's actually, it was actually uh, um, Ezra and Nehemiah were actually one book. They were contemporaries uh, uh, prophetically in a time when, when, when Israel was in exile. Um, they were covering the same time period, and, and Nehemiah was, was a cupbearer. He was a, a butler. He was a servant within the palace to the king of Persia and to Xerxes. And, and although, you know... Um, it's nice to, you're, you're a servant, and depending on where you serve can, 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 can alter your attitude a lot, can it? Um, it's one thing to, to, to be a servant and be out on the field, right, doing agriculture. And it's another thing being a servant and being able to cook the king's meal and serve and, and serve within the palace, because then when you're in the palace, you, you're, you're, you're in the palace. And that's where Nehemiah found himself, alongside of the king. Now, we got to understand that the things that Nehemiah did, he didn't do it because of his influence. He didn't do it because he was a pastor or he was a priest. He wasn't a prophet, and, and he certainly wasn't a warrior. If we're looking at, at, at from a king position, he was all the way on the other end on a servant position. He was an ordinary guy doing ordinary things within the palace, but yet God used him to make an extraordinary difference. And I want to challenge you, family, that you may think that you look like an ordinary person. You think that maybe your day-to-day -day job is, is doing ordinary things. But I want to tell you that that puts you exactly in the position where God can use you. Because he says, I'm going to take the foolish things of this world in order to confine the wise. I'm going to take the broken things of this world, hey, hello, and bring them in positions of leadership. Because I'm going to breathe my spirit inside of them and bring that which was dead to life. 140 years before Nehemiah's time, around 586 B.C., the Babylonians under King Nebuchadnezzar came in, attacked Jerusalem. He attacked Jerusalem so hard, so quick, so fierce, that he destroyed the entire city. Solomon's temple, this glorious uh, 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 architecture wonder, was destroyed and left in ruin. It was burnt down to the ground. Every building was left in rubble. The gates were burned. You know, when, when, when the gates, the gates are there to establish, that's, that's the door front. You know what I'm saying? Imagine when someone comes and plunders your house so bad and, and just, 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 just for the sake of it, winds up burning down your door, sending the message, right? There's, you're vulnerable. There's no protection. You've got nothing to cover you. Everything that they knew as a life, as a people, was gone. Just like that. The Babylonians took tens of thousands of Jews captive. They, they, they really, they, they slaughtered them so bad, they demoralized them, left them with no hope, left them with no future. 
And decades later, about 50,000 Jews moved back to Jerusalem. They moved back with the purpose of rebuilding it. The only thing was that they really had no leadership. They didn't have a clear direction. They, they didn't understand their objective. And that's when Nehemiah heard the call. What does, what, does, what does the call sound like? People talk about, you know, how, how do you know you were supposed to go into ministry? Why'd you, you know, oh, I was called. I, I heard the voice of God call me into ministry. <laughs> how, do you, how do you know? What's the, what's the call? He, the Bible says he heard the call of God. And, and you hear a lot of ministers speak about receiving the call into ministry. Here, when Nehemiah saw some, some, some Israelites that co- were coming back from Jerusalem, he, he approached his brother and he asked him, my brother, you know, tell me, tell me about our people. Tell me about our city. What's going on over there? And, and he broke down the bad news and, and it broke Nehemiah's heart. He, he was able to internalize the pain. He didn't try to push the lump in his throat back, pull back the tear and... <laughs> Man up, right? Broke him. Dropped him to his knees. He began to weep. He began to cry. And, 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 and it's in that pain and it's in that anguish. When, when something moves you to that point, it's revealing a burden. It's revealing a call. And so then he, he set a pattern in his life. He cried. And then he sat and he prayed. And we see time and time again how Nehemiah would approach God in prayer before he would even move. And after he prayed, he prayed those things that were heavy within his heart. He then got up and he acted. And he acted upon it. And so the first message was titled CPA. He cried. He prayed and he acted. And so then we moved over from from that, from understanding that you don't always have to be appointed by a man when you have been called by God, that that passion will always trump position when you're walking in obedience. Last week we spoke about then how. How? How do you make a difference? We internalize the pain. We will sit and we pray about it. We'll get up and we're willing to act. But what are we going to act upon? How are we going to act? And so we, we saw number one was that we seek God faithfully. Over 12 times we, we see evidence of Nehemiah praying and seeking God out. He then defined his vision clearly. And we understand that for most people, it's not a lack of caring that's the problem. It's the lack of clarity. If you can't define it, you can't do it. You got to figure it out. Uh, uh, I heard a a saying, uh, the devil is in the details. It's in the little things. We got to figure that out. We got to make plans carefully. A goal without a plan is just a wish. huh? If you fail to plan, you just plan to fail. A failure to plan is a plan to failure. He's he's talking about writing the plan down. Once you define it, put it on the vision board. Habakkuk says that you make it plain, write it clearly, so that then those who read it can run 
within. What's the vision? And the fourth one is we got to inspire people passionately. If you've missed any of those messages, um, I, I don't know, man. I feel like the Lord really gave me a word, and it's a now word for us as a church. And, and so you, that's available for, for, for listening. Just, uh, you know, look up our podcast. And, uh, and you can hear them, you can hear all our messages there. Today is the next phase. Today is dealing with the opposition. Facing the opposition. Facing the opposition. Anytime God leads you to do anything that's, that's of any good, any, anything that's gonna be meaningful, whenever God asks you to be generous, to, to do something that's gonna be lasting, I'm here to tell you, church, expect opposition. Expect opposition. Expect obstacles to come up and try to trip you up. Expect resistance. Not everybody's going to catch your vision. Not everybody's going to be happy for you. Why did you get delivered from drugs and I'm still addicted in the chains? Why is it that you were able to put this down, receive physical healing? Always. Always, always opposition. Expect the haters, the naysayers to rise up. Do not, do not give ear to them. Think about, think about the Bible. Who had opposition? I mean, right out, of, right out the gate, Adam and Eve had the serpent. There was someone that was there opposing Moses had Pharaoh, there was opposition there, there was a fight, David had to fight his Goliath, there was there, if we look at Jesus, think about his opposition, devil, demons, Herod, Pharisees, scribes, Jewish leaders, Judas Iscariot, come on, that list goes on, just for the moment, just for the record, you and I are on that list too, Batman has the Joker. Batman would like to, you know, the Joker almost defied. I mean, in fact, the Joker tells Batman, if it wasn't for me, where would you be? <laughs> Nehemiah, Nehemiah, Nehemiah had his, 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 his people, his haters, his naysayers. Sanballat and Tobiah. Sanballat and Tobiah. Now think about it. These guys that went to go rebuild this wall, they, they weren't carpenters. They weren't masons. They, they weren't builders or contractors. They were goldsmiths. They were perfume makers. They were merchants and business owners. I, I don't know. I mean, I do commercial roofing. Um, how many people know that office people generally don't good, do good with drills and hammers and, and sawzalls? You know, you put them behind the desk. You're good with a computer, but put them out on the field. You know, they're all thumbs. So, so it's bad enough that you got to deal with your own insecurities. You, you know that there's a lack of credentials. You're not exactly qualified, you know, to be doing what you're doing. And so you got to deal with, with your own insecurities. And so then topple that with the fact that now you've got to deal with the haters. You got the internal and then you've got the external. And I got to tell you that whenever the work begins, that's when the opposition cringe. Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 1 through 3. 
It's where we're going to pick it up this morning. And I'll just go put it up on the board. One through three. Y'all ready? It's quiet in this house. Am I all right? Am I doing okay? Yeah? All right. <laughs> I don't want to be stepping on anybody's toes this morning. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Nehemiah chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. And the word of the Lord is read in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But it so happened when Sanballat heard that they were rebuilding the wall, that he was furious and very indignant and mocked the Jews. And he spoke before his brethren and the army of the Samaria and said, what are these feeble Jews doing? Will they fortify themselves? Will they offer sacrifices? Will, will they complete it in a day? Will, will they receive, revive the stones from the heaps of rubbish, stones that are burned? Now Tobiah the Ammonite was beside him and he said, whatever they build, even if a fox goes up on it, he will break down their stone walls. Yo, my man didn't even see the walls. Sambalot just heard. He just heard that they were building the wall. And all of a sudden, he's got a lot of opinions, doesn't he? Calls them feeble Jews. The, the Hebrew word there is, is, is interesting. Uh, um, some can almost describe it as a flower that gets cut off. That, that when you kill the stem, its life source is completely cut off. It's got no resources. It's got no ties. It's got no roots. What, what he's saying is that the Jews, for the most part, have no lifeline. Huh? If, if we're the branches, who's the vine? Doesn't God say, I am the vine? What, what, what he's trying to say is that that vine was cut off. That the Jews were nothing but dead, limp, lifeless creation. Opposition is going to come. Opposition is going to come. Maybe you haven't been to church in a while and you're trying to get to church and, and all of a sudden you run late. <laughs> And it becomes a fight. And it becomes a fight. The fight is when you make that decision. You got two choices. You could turn around and say, hey, you know what? Oh, man, I'm already late. I'm not just going to walk in. And, you know, That's easy. That's so easy to say that because it's justifiable. The hard thing is to say, you know what? Whether I'm late or not, I'm going to make it. I'm going to be there. That's where I need to be. Amen? Huh? Maybe you made the decision, you finally made the decision, you know what, mm, we're going to get out of debt. I'm going to get my family out of debt by 2021, except for the mortgage payment and car payments. We're, we're going we're gonna to get out of debt, and all of a sudden, at that moment in time, you make that decision, the car breaks down. <laughs> Tranny's blown, $1,200, $1,500. Uh, 
start serving in ministry. You, oh, the kids, I want to, I want to pour into the kids. The kids are so beautiful. The kids, that's the future pastor. I see your vision. I hear your heart. Let's train up a child in the way that they should go. Let's pour the gospel into them. This isn't daycare. This is ministry. Oh, f- I hear that call in the moment you come in and you grab this beautiful little child. <laughs> Was that Fruit Loops? Yeah. <laughs> oh, 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 that, that happens. <laughs> that happens. I was, I was trying to figure out a personal story. <laughs> what can I share with the church? How, how, how has this applied in my life? <laughs> if some of y'all remember me about a year and a half ago. I got up right here and, and I made a choice. I made a decision. I told on myself. I said, you know what? I got to lose this weight. I was 250 pounds, overweight and tired and, and, and lethargic. And, and I was comfort eating, comfort eating. And, and, and I like to eat. And my wife cooks really good. And there's always leftovers. And I'm on the road a lot. And I know all the spots. I got up to 250 pounds. And my knees were hurting. I was getting winded. I couldn't tie my shoes right. I mean, it was, and I hit the critical point. My daughter took a picture. And when I saw the picture, I was like, that's what I look like. I was so far in here from where I was in here to where I actually was out here. We have imbalances all throughout our lives. At any given point in time, we always need to be recalibrated. And I remember standing up here and I made the, I said, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to put my effort. I'm going to do this. I'm going to lose this weight. And, and I told on myself, accountability, accountability, right? So that when you see me, Hey, pastor, how's that going? You know, people would ask me. And don't you know, sure enough, I did ketones. I got into the thing. I'm doing da, 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 da. And what happens? Blow out my back. Now, I mean, it wasn't, I didn't throw it out. I blew it out. L4, L5, completely herniated, sitting on my sciatic nerve. The pain came from my, my left glute. I'm showing you my butt. I'm not, I'm not being fresh. It was coming. <laughs> it's actually called the piriforma muscle. It was coming into my piriforma muscle, my glute, into my hamstring, coming down into my calf. Couldn't walk. I was just in miserable pain, pain, anguish, pain. I'm talking about the pain that sucks the air out of your lungs. You can't even move. I was like that for a couple of weeks and had to go through the process and the MRIs and then coming back. And some of y'all know, it was just not too long ago, I had to go through epidurals and, 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 and that sort of stuff in order to get through. It would have been so easy. I wanted to. I wanted to. I wanted to say, you know what? Give up. I can't move. I can't. I, I can't. That's it. They were giving me tramadols. They were giving me medications that, you know, were heavy. Had a choice. And I made that choice. I made that commitment. And if I'm hurt, I started making the phone calls. What can I do? Don't tell me what I can't do. Tell me what I can do. Tell me what I can do. Tell me what I can put my hands on. Tell me the positions. Tell me. 
Because I'm not staying like this. I'm not accepting this as my new normal. My God is greater. My God is able. And oh Lord, if I can apply my faith into all of these other areas in my life, God, help me move in this area. It was tough. It was hard. But it got me through. He is faithful. And I learned more about myself. I learned more about the stick to that even if I'm a little, I can find other ways of doing things. And, 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 well, I mean, I'm still in the fight. I'm still in the fight, family. Don't be surprised when you face opposition. Advancement invites opposition. Advancements invite opposition. Listen, the devil's not going to bother you when you're not a threat. When you're already doing his thing and, and you don't even have to realize and know that you're doing his thing. You could just be coasting along, you know, doing your comfy thing. You every day live comfy life. You know, you do you, boo. Uh, you do you, I do me, and you, you create, you know, these perfectly posted Instagram moments, and you hashtag it blessed. Go to church, eh, if you want. You know, just don't engage. Don't pray. Don't serve. Ooh. Don't give. Don't do that. Don't care. It's all good if you go to church. Just don't do all any of those things. You, you can do some spiritual things, just, you know, enough to make you feel good, but not enough to matter. Devil will have you come up in here thinking that, you know, you're, you're, you're still doing you. I'm going to tell you that the moment you step out in real faith is the moment that you're engaged in real battle. That's the day that a target is put upon your back. Opposition, you know how I treat opposition? The one with the loudest booze gets the cheapest seats. How do you how do you respond to critics? How do you respond to those naysayers, the people that will turn you down, those doubters? It's bad enough when you've got them on the outside when they're the enemy. Huh? When it was Tobiah, he's an Ammonite. He he doesn't know any better. He's an idiot. But you, you're my brother. You're my sister. Naysayers come from all places. How do, you, how do you handle and respond to the critics? You know what I've learned? I'm going to share with my experience. Most of the times, you don't. Seriously. 90% of the times when someone is naysaying, when somebody is trying to criticize you, when somebody has got opinions about the things that you're doing and how you're doing it and how it could be done better, you know what? If, if they knew so much, why ain't they doing it? Come on. Notice, notice what Nehemiah doesn't do. He doesn't respond to them. He, he doesn't answer or, or 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 bite their bait he doesn't try to defend what's there to defend your your response is not going to convert critics oftentimes it only validates them when you acknowledge your critics family you're you're, you're empowering them 
They're not really that important until you respond. So if you don't, it takes two to tango. They tangoing all by themselves. I ain't got time for that. I got to keep it moving. Things got to happen. They got to advance. But it's emotional. And it's not easy dealing with haters. Most of us, you know, we want to be liked. We don't, we don't want to be looked upon and, and, and frowned upon or reproached. It's not easy dealing with the haters. But it's even more difficult when, when they're the ones that love you. Oftentimes, some of our greatest critics were, were the ones that were closest to us, weren't they? Mom, dad, maybe an older brother or a close friend or, you know, that cousin that dropped them bows on you constantly. <laughs> Don't be stupid. Why are you such an idiot? Stop that. You're a fool. You can't do that. You're not qualified. Who do you think you are? Yo, my man, seriously, don't quit your J job. <laughs> I remember when, when, when I, you know, I felt the call into chaplaincy. I felt the call into first response, and I didn't know what that was going to happen. I just really felt that God put it in my heart that this was a community, and it was a community in response. And I knew that chaplains, chaplains were pastors that were specialized in ministries for crisis response for for you know when the rubber met the road when when your calm turns to chaos in the blink of an eye there's someone that is qualified to be able to come alongside of you and that's what my training is for but my training now is is really targeted to law enforcement I'm the senior chaplain to the Peekskill Police Department. I'm the chaplain for the um, Office of Emergency Management and for the Peekskill Community Volunteer Ambulance Corps. So whenever our first responders have a crisis, I'm called in to be their responder. Officer-involved shooting, a baby that dies in a car accident, and a family that was displaced in a structure fire. Any of these things that can create a crisis for an individual, for our responders, they call me in. I never thought, where, how did I ever think that I would be serving within that capacity? But back then, God was just saying, listen, this is, this is where I want you, chaplaincy. What's it going to do, cost you $50 for, for, for an application fee? Go ahead, say, okay, go ahead. I'm writing the paperwork and the letters because, you know, I got a little bit of a, little bit of a checkered past. I got to like kind of give reasons why for certain things. Like, you know what I'm saying? That becomes even more tedious, more paperwork, more history, more, you know, reference checks. Walk in obedience. People looked at me and they're like, Rob, come on. Seriously, brother, look, the hand of God is obviously on your life, bro. But seriously, chaplaincy, you know, you'll never pass the background check. Not with your history, my man. Like, you know, I people within my own brothers and you know in the church not be able to see the vision i i couldn't see the vision but i had a heart for obedience <sighs> you want to be a foster parent what are you kidding me you can barely handle the kids you've got Yo, I want to I wanna start a peak group. I want to start a ministry. I've been stirring. I've had a couple of people come up to me through this series that God has placed passion, placed vision within their hearts for areas of ministry. I know the, the, those voices are going to come. Who do you think you are? 
you don't know enough. You're too old or you're too young or you're too inexperienced or you're too busy. You know what I say? You're too negative. And you obviously don't know my God. If God before you, family, who could be against you? So you know what? I try, I try not to be moved by praise or criticism. I'm, I'm here to serve you, but I'm not here for you. I'm here to serve you, but I'm here for him. In my service to him, he has given me in to serve you. So everything that I do, I do it unto the Lord, not unto man. I'm not going to get tired or burnt out or, you know what, when I'm expecting the pat of back coming from a man, why would I expect the pat from a back coming from a man when the one who's patting my back is my God, my father? I'm doing it for him. Doing it for him. You don't let the praise go to my head and I don't let the criticism go to my heart. Nehemiah knows he doesn't answer to the critics. He answers to God. And instead of engaging them on their lower level, I love it. He he goes to the higher power. He goes unto God. Nehemiah prays. Look at what he says in verse 4. Nehemiah 4, 4, 6. Nehemiah prayed. That was their response? Sanballat? Tobiah? That's what? Feeble? Do you think that's what? I am a servant of the living God. Nehemiah prayed. Listen to this prayer. Oh, listen to us, dear God. We're so despised. Boomerang their ridicule upon their own heads. Have their enemies cart them off as war trophies to a land of no return. Don't forgive their iniquities. Don't wipe away their sins. They've insulted the builders. We kept at it, repairing and rebuilding the wall. The whole wall was soon joined together and halfway to its intended height because the people had a heart for the work. Now, I don't know about you, but I've got a warrior spirit inside of me. And that prayer, I like that prayer. I like that prayer. Oh God, don't let the adversary, don't let your enemy be able to gloat over you. If I represent you, oh God, if my enemy defeats me, he defeats you. You, oh God, get the glory. You, oh God, get the honor. Break them shackles and break them chains, oh God. Let the enemy be a footstool under my feet in Jesus' name. Come on. Drug addiction, you gotta go. Anxiety, I bind now in the name of Jesus. There's a release. There's a release. Yes. Pause to pray and get back to work. Keep it moving. Another round of an opposition, another round of prayer. This is how I fight my battles. Come on, you in the peak church, you know how you fight your battles. When the opposition comes up, when, when the enemy rears his head, come on, we worship the God. He fights our battles. Hey, if we're doing this right, we never got to get these up. He'll fight them for us. One of the things that I love about Nehemiah is the fact that he was both spiritual and practical. 
Many of, many of you who meet with me, you know, I, we, we attack things on a spiritual level, but I like giving you some practical steps. I like giving you the one, two, three step homework. You're going to practice this. Let me know how it goes. When we get back together, we talk about it and we build. Amen. And this is how we go. So there's a spiritual aspect to it. There can be a clinical aspect aspect to it there's a spiritual aspect to it there's a practical aspect to it amen nehemiah prayed as if everything depended on god but 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 he still worked as if everything depended on him and that's where we've got to be not be afraid to put our hands upon the plow nehemiah 410 meanwhile the people in judah said the strength of the laborers is giving out and there is so much rubble that we can do it it was bad enough Huh? This, this was, this was now the people from Judah. It was bad enough. He had Sanballat and Tobiah, but now he's got his own people saying, my God, this is just too much. The work is too much. It's, it, it's too intense. Haters from the inside, haters from the outside. What do you do? Nehemiah 4.11. And our enemies said before they knew it or see us, we will be right there among them and will kill them and put an end to the work. Then the Jews who lived near them came and told us ten times over, wherever you turn, they will attack us. People of Judah doubting. Enemies are threatening. You got haters from the inside. You got haters from the outside. Family, we're going to have opposition coming from at us from all angles. These external haters, relational, spiritual, but most difficult opposition is always the one that's internal, that happens in your own mind, in your own head, in your own hearts. That voice in your head, you know the one. Who do you think you are? You're only one person. What kind of difference do you think you'll be able to make? You'll never be able to make a difference. You're not good enough. You're broken. You're so broken. What do you have to offer? You hear that voice that says, you don't have what it takes. I'm going to tell you this, family. If you're taking notes, the external opposition will only be as loud as my internal insecurities allow them to be. I'll say that again. My external opposition will only be as loud as my internal insecurities allow them to be. If you get a good vision of who you are in Christ, not who you are in your flesh, not who you are because of your past, who you are in Christ, your value in God, God in you, huh? That's going to begin to silence all of the insecurities. That's going to silence all of the other voices because you understand and realize it's not up to you. It's up to God. It's his work, his time. Listen, the fact of the matter is when we understand this right and we know that we've been purchased at a price, it's no longer I who live, but it's he who lives in me. God, with me, do what you please. Whatever can advance your kingdom, your will be done, not mine. And if that means to lay me out and suffer as a martyr before you, 
so be it. And so be it. Because whether we live or die, when we've got Christ in our hearts, we live. We live. The moment Nehemiah started to battle his own insecurities, he took the focus off himself and he put it back onto God and put it back onto the mission. Look at what he did. Nehemiah verse 14. After I looked things over, after I examined them, assessed the situation. That's what, that's what, that, that's the implication that we get here right now. I stood up and said to the nobles, to the officials and the rest of the people. Come on. He started from the top down. Leadership always starts from the top down. Leadership. Hello. Leadership always starts from the top down. Men, I want to encourage you. You're not happy with things, the way things are at home, the way things are. You're the leader in your home. Oftentimes, we're the ones that got to get right. And when we get right, everything falls into alignment because we're called to lead. He said to the nobles, he said to the officials, he said to the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Don't, don't be afraid of the naysayers. Don't be, their bark is louder than their bite. Huh? They got a lot of opinions, but they ain't doing nothing. Don't be afraid of them. What do you do? Remember the Lord. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. Take the focus off yourself and put it onto God. This isn't our battle. Huh? This is his battle. He is with us. He is for us. And he, if he is for us, come on, family. Who can be against us? Greater is he that is in you than he who is in the world. Come on. If God be for you, who can separate you from the love of God? Huh? There ain't no height. There ain't no depth. There ain't armed against you. Family, no weapon. No weapon formed against you shall ever prosper. We claim the promises of God. We fight this fight and we meet the opposition where they're at. Remember the Lord your God. Huh? Come on, Egypt. When, when he rescued our ancestors out of Egyptian bondage and, and, and made a spectacle of Pharaoh. Huh? Do you, remember when he split the Red Sea so that we can walk right through it. The, the path of our salvation was the path of our enemy's destruction. Huh? He allowed us to walk by dry land. But when we got to the other side, where'd our opposition go? They drowned in the sea. Lead us by fire by night. His presence is with us. And when we were hungry, he fed us with manna from heaven. The greater the opposition against you, the greater the opportunity for God to fight for you. Let him shine. Let him shine. Don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. And fight for your families. Fight 
for your sons and for your daughters. Fight for your wives and and your husbands and your homes. Remember the Lord and keep fighting. Family, remember the Lord and pay off your debt. Remember the Lord and keep fighting for your marriages. Remember the Lord and, and keep fighting to break addiction. Remember the Lord. Remember the Lord. Is there a child that needs a family? Is there a victim that needs healing? Do you know personally those who may be lost and broken and who need the hope of Christ? Family, remember the Lord and share what you know. If it matters, there's going to be a battle. You will face opposition. If you're not ready for the opposition due to your obedience to God, then you're not ready to be used by God. But if you are ready, if you know the opposition is coming, I'm telling you it is. And I'm telling you we win. I'm telling you we win. There hasn't been a fight that the Lord has led me to that I have not come out victoriously. I've been through some battles. God is faithful. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me this morning, church? We had a blessed time this morning. Worship was on fire. The presence of the Lord is here. I believe I preached a now word for us as a church, as a community. I know the Lord has been speaking to certain individuals because you've come and you've spoken to me. There's ministries that are being birthed in this house. Leaders that are rising up. I want to I want to tell you that it all starts it all starts with a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. A lot of the things that I've stated this morning may not make a lot of sense unless you really your heart has been transformed, has been touched. There's forgiveness in this house. What's the burden that you carry? Is there a sinful nature? Are there acts that you've done, things that you've said that, that you know weigh upon your heart? Is, is, it, is it something heavy? I'm telling you that you could leave that right here, right now. You don't have to carry that. He paid the price for it. Don't judge yourself over something that Jesus said, I forgive. Do you have a personal relationship with him? The Peak Community Church is a young, vibrant, life-giving church in the heart of Peekskill. Come and visit us on Sunday mornings, 10 a.m. at the historic Elks Club, 1038 Brown Street. Thank you for listening.